Yesterday was Daf Beis Amiral Beis Daf Beis of Meseches Erechin. We started a brand new Mesechta yesterday, and today's Daf Gimel. We'll do a review of yesterday's Daf first, then get to today's. We are learning Le'ulinishmas from Abash Moshimin Meir Nisham Avneliyah and Daniel Benet Baruch Ben Yudaleib Ve'Amy and May His Nisham Avneliyah. Also for Naftali Yosef Ben Chemnisan Alevi and. Um, and refuah shleimah to all who need it. Okay. So, with that, let's get started on the review of yesterday's daf. We started off talking about um, um, the, uh, the mitzvah of Erechin, the, the, the parsha, the section of the Torah dealing with Erechin, where a person can make a special type of donation to, to the base of Mikdash, and that donation is based on uh, their gender and age and the Torah dictates what, what uh, based on the age and gender what, how much needs to be donated and uh, that's uh, uh, and uh, the Mishnah tells us that all can make that donation that type of donation and all can be ne'erach on that type of donation they can also make a regular vow to give the full value the actual value of the person to the base of Megdash or it can be Vowed upon, even Kanem, Levim, and Yisraelim. Now, uh, and Nashim and Avadim um, as well. Now, the Gemara tells us that when it comes to Tumtum and Adrogonis, which are of questionable gender, so they can certainly make vows and be vowed upon because the bottom line is whatever their gender, they certainly do have a value that would be a value based on the slave market. However, they can be also they can be marach, but they cannot be narach, and that's based on the pasuk. It says zachar, and it says uh, and it says nekeva. Uh, so it's the zachar vade and nekeva vados has to be definite, and not them who are a suffolk. We also can saw the mishnah. Yes. Question. Yeah. Okay. They can make a, a nether, and you yeah. said the the how the nether is called this. On the slave market. Nowadays we don't have a slave market, so how do we decide what's the value? I mean, I can make a nether right now. You yeah. Know, I can say you want a thousand or you want a, a dollar. So, but somebody needs to decide, you know, I want the value of this guy. That does, that's, Is that, that the lawyers coming up now? So there'll be. <laughs> Don't ask his wife. No, it's like a, it's like my father always used to say. I, I want I want my children to be good for nothing. That they don't charge me anything to be good. All right. <laughs> say it again one more time. Yeah, take take. Um, good for nothing. Yeah, I understand that. So that means what? Is, why is that a good thing? Because that means that even for nothing, okay, not expecting anything in return. Okay. That's why I'm good. Whatever. Anyway. All right. So, okay. Yeah, right. If I make a letter on somebody... So, anyway, I'm just joking around. But the point being is, is that there's, a, there's no problem. Valuators can evaluate regardless of whether okay. there's a slave market. And besides, you know, they, 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 yeah. that's what it is. It's what would be if there was a slave market. Yeah. Okay. That's the so value. the lawyers right now can figure out you know, how so much anybody, value. evaluators, there's people who are <coughs> businessmen, they understand how to, and okay. uh, you'd be surprised, you can actually go on, uh, oh, yes. on the internet and find slaves, 100%, yes. no problem. Yeah, when someone <laughs> is injured, becomes a handicapped disabled, so yeah. you evaluate 
Also based on the same thing, right? Exactly. So they had to. They always had to have no question about it. You know, right? Okay. If you're earning a hundred thousand dollars a year, so you're entitled to be compensated, but you can't earn it. Right. Exactly. Okay. There's a way we evaluate. Exactly. All right. What's the value? All right. Anyway, brings us to the um, brings us to the Gemara, which is uh, whenever you use the terminology that broad, like I call all. So then, uh, that's coming to include something. So who's that coming to include? So there's. So it's important to understand that the akol is modifying all the four verbs: ma'arichin, ne'arachin, nodrin, and nidrin. So what are they coming to include? So the ma'arichin is coming to include the uh, someone who is almost an adult, not quite. Mufla samachlish. Ne'arachin is coming to include um, even a manuval mukashkin, somebody who is has actually no. Slave market value, um, and you might think that if he has no slave market value, maybe there's no erich either. Kamash Mulan, that there is because it does says nefashos, regardless of whether he has actual value. That's not the point. And um, and then when it comes to nodrin, there was no chiddush in nodrin. The whole chiddush was for nidrin to tell you that, um, and and it's not coming to include tumtum nadrogenus because that's explicit. Cherishot v'katan is explicit. Um, what it's coming to uh, include is Pachos Mibet Chodesh, even though that's later on a Mishnah that says that less than a month old also can be Nidor on it. Nevertheless, oh, and a Gentile also is mentioned. So what is it? So the Gemara says it's really Pachos Mibet Chodesh. And we, le- we, we included it here, and then we extrapolate what did we mean when we said I called Nidrin, we meant to include even less than a month old, where you might think since there's no erich given for less than a month old, maybe there's no neder either, and that's the that's where it's that's what it's coming to include. So once we mentioned in the Mishnah Hakol and it's coming to include something, so then we went to other examples in Shas throughout the the Mishnah um, that use the word Hakol and what it's coming to include. So we started off with uh, the mitzvah of smicha. What's that mitzvah of smicha coming to include? Hakol somchin. Um, it's coming to include an inheritor, and it's not like the shoot the the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. And Hakol Mirin, which is is talking about the mitzvah of Tamura, and it's coming to include an inheritor as well. And it's also not like Rabbi Yehuda, and that's where we got into the machlokas between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim with regards to Tamura and with regards to uh, uh, Smicha. And the Gemara says uh, in the parsha. Of smicha, that korbano, that he is samach yado al rosh korbano, his korban. So um, I'm not sure if I quoted exactly correctly, but that's the that's the basic gist of the pasuk. So that's where you do smicha on his korban, which basically means that it has to be yours and not your father's. You're not. Let's say a person's father had to, you know, set aside a korban, never got around to bringing it before he passed away. So the son would bring that korban. But he doesn't do the smicha because it's not his korban. That's what the pasuk is saying. And once that's excluding, the smicha is excluded. So we say also tamura is learned from smicha, just like smicha. When you're an inheritor, you don't you don't do the smicha. So to tamura as an inheritor, it's not really your korban that you cannot try and transfer the sanctity off of that korban onto another one, which would in effect make both into a korban. Um, that is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. 
Rabbanon say, no, but by Tamura it says, Hamer Yamer, a double expression, that not, you know, to, it sounds like it's including somebody else who, can, who has the power to make a Tamura, so even an inheritor. And we say, if that's true by Tamura, so too by Smicha, it would include even the inheritor can do Smicha. Okay. Um, now, the question is, what does each side do with the other one's puzzle? So what do the rabbis do with the puzzle of Karbot? No. They learn from there to exclude uh, a Gentile, to exclude uh, a Gentile's carbon does not have smicha, um, your friend's carbon doesn't have smicha, and all members who own, who jointly own a carbon, all have to do smicha. So that's what they, it says three times in the Torah, carbon no, each of them are coming to tell me another one. One is that it's not applicable to a Gentile, their carbonos do not have smicha. Second, um, uh, that that you can't do it on behalf of a friend. You must be the, you must be your carbon. And the third is to tell you that every member who has who has a share in this carbon needs to do this this leaning on the animal. Next, we talked about um, uh, Rabbi Huda. So how does Rabbi Huda learn all those things? Either he doesn't agree to that principle that all members can need to do it. Meaning, even if you have a share, it's still called korbano. And if that's true, so there's one more available to tell you to exclude uh, the uh, inheritor. And even if he agrees to korbano korbano smicha, it could be that there's one korbano that doubles up and uh, talks about both the slave, I mean, a gent- I'm sorry, a Gentile, and um, when it's your friend. And that's learned from one korbano which encompasses both ideas. Number one, it's your korban and as a Jew and not a Gentile. And number two, it's yours and not your friend's korban. I'm doing it on my own korban. So that's all derived from the same text. And if that's the case, so then there are two more times it says korbano. One of them is coming to tell me that all members uh, have to do the smicha, all people who all have a share in this carbon. And, number, and the second thing is available, according to Rabbi Yudha, to tell me that an inheritor does not do smicha. Okay, now, what does Rabbi Yehuda do with the double expression of Hamer Yamir? Okay, that they learn, the Chachamim use that pasuk to teach us that there's smicha, that, there's a, that, there, that even an inheritor can do, can do tmura. So he learns from there that even a woman is included, and the reason why he needs that is because the entire part of Tamura is all written in male, masculine form, and since it's written in masculine form, you might think that a female does not make does not have the power to make a Tamura on her carbon. That's why I have to say a double expression of Amar to broaden it to tell you even a woman can uh, make a Tamura, and the rabbis learn it from the words ve'im to tell us that. Um, and um, and uh, Rabbi Yudha doesn't, ex- doesn't hear that as a drasha, and therefore he needed the, the, the double expression. And that's how it lines up and this dispute between Rabbi Yudha and the Chachamim. Continuing on throughout examples in the Torah where it uses the word hakol. So it says hakol chayevim besukkah. That's coming to include even a minor, a young child who doesn't need his mother. Um, even though he's not an adult, but there is already an obligation. Um, so, uh, I, I don't think I said it yesterday, but uh, maybe I did, but uh, it's still funny that sometimes there are some adults that still wake up in the middle of the night asking for their mother. So, 
Um, but that doesn't, it's important to know, that doesn't free them from, they still have the chiyu of sukkah. It's only by a cotton that's not needed a mother, then it's, it's a chiyu. Okay. Uh, there's no excuse when you're adult. All right, anyway. Um, and uh, next thing we talked about is lulav, that if the child knows how to shake a lulav properly, then he's able to be educated as such, and you'll already be obligated that he should shake the lulav. Hakolchev um, mitzitzis, is coming to include a cotton who knows how to wrap himself. And it's very interesting, all the mitzvahs, and, that we include, and also tefillin, every mitzvah is subject to that mitzvah's requirements. That's the age that the chinuch kicks in. So in other words, there isn't a uniform age for all mitzvahs that we start educating our children in. Um, some of them we're going to have to start younger, some we're going to have to start older. Each, according to what the task is, is what it is. So there's, let's say, at already eight years old, or, or you know, maybe six years old, um, you can train a child to shake a little carefully and properly, mm-hmm. and it won't drop it, won't break it, won't poke it with the next guy in the eye. So that's, uh, that, then, then that's the age. But uh, to where tefillin is obviously much closer to adulthood, because you have to have a bodily control, you have to have, a, you have a, an awareness of your body, and that's at a closer age. That's why we do that right before bar mitzvah. And each mitzvah according to the age. That's how it works. So, um, anyway, I thought that was, uh, that, that's basically the gist of all of these hakals coming to include for each area that it includes, encompasses even a minor. Okay, so we mentioned tzitzis, we mentioned tefillin, and, um, and then we talked about the next one was hakal chayavim beriyah, which is the mitzvah of uh, coming to Beis Amigdash at the, at the holidays time and you come uh, and you need to, there's a mitzvah to be Ola Regal basically. So that mitzvah is, that is the coming mitzvah to... Is the mitzvah to bring the Korban? That's... So Riyah is bringing a Korban. Riyah, well, that's Lo Tiru Pane Rekam. That means you can't come empty handed. Okay, so okay. There's so two, it's two it's splitting. There's the mitzvah of Riyah and then and there's the korban riyah, the olas so riyah. So I think it's two separate things. We're talking about the chayavim b'riyah, yeah. the actual obligation to come to okay. the base of Migdash. That's the one that we're focused on. So what is that coming to include? Even a half-slave and a half-free man, he is chayav in mitzvah's riyah because of the half of him that's free. Now, a slave does not have the obligation because the mitzvah of riyah is es peneha adon Hashem. So it's where God is your master and not your boss is your master. So that's the idea. So, uh, Ravine actually says that uh, somebody who's half slave, half free man is potter for me, yeah? So it needs to include something else. So he said, what's it coming to include? So he said, perhaps it's including a person who is lame on the first day and then he's, he got healed on the second day. So, and that person is obligated on the second day. Now, it happens to be that that's a dispute whether a person is, the way it works is, is that are they all completing for each other or um, are they completing for the first day? Meaning the main chiyah of Avri'iyah is on the first day of the holiday and every uh, subsequent day is able to basically make up for not having uh, come on the first day. Um, you can make up for it. But uh, if it's all... Uh, but basically, if you weren't chayv on day one, then you're not chayv at all in mitzvah's riyah. So then it's coming to include another possibility of somebody who is blind in one eye. And it's not like Rabbi Yochanan ben Davo Yishito, who says that when you're blind in one eye, he says in the name of Yehuda, 
you're potter from Ria because the word is Yira'a Yira'i. Yira'a Yira'a, which means that just like God sees us, so to speak, with both of his eyes, so to we are, have the mitzvah to see, to, to come, if we have vision in both of our eyes. And uh, this quote is disputing that. Alternatively, we said that it's coming to include still a half-slave, half-free man. And even Ravina, who said that he's not Mechuyiv, that was only according to the original understanding of Beis Hillel. But once Beis Hillel made a retraction, then, uh, then even Ravina would agree that they're chayv in Ri'ez Panim. And the reason why is, uh, the story goes, is that basically, what is the status of a half-slave, half-free person? According to, basically... According to Basil's original, Basil's original understanding, the way it would work is, is that basically it starts off that, you know, uh, two people say, look, I could, you, I would, I certainly could use a slave. I also could, but I can't afford one my, myself. You want to chip in together to buy the slave, and they said, sure. And so they're partners, and basically the slave switches off days. You know, Sunday, Tuesday, uh, Thursday is by one, and they switch, and he switches off one day a week between the two people, and that's how they share the slave, okay? What happens is, is that uh, one of the two decide that, you know, he was such a, he did so many years of good service, I'm freeing my slave, and he freed him. So he freed his share. Meantime, he's still a slave the other, the, the rest of the time. So Basilo's solution is, is that basically that slave is going to still work every other day for his, the master that never freed him. And the other day, when he works, he'll work for himself, and he'll be uh, himself will be gainfully employed, and he'll make his own money. That's uh, what Beis Hillel says. On that page, Tommy told him that's very good for the master. You made a, a very good sound solution because he's not losing out on the situation. But you can't leave a person like that in limbo, where there's no one who is allowed to marry, because as a half slave, he can't marry a free woman, and as a half free person, he can't marry a slave woman. So he is basically excluded from all, and that's not appropriate, because you, a person, the world was created to procreate, to populate the world, and therefore that's completely wrong. Okay, so what is the correct thing to do, says Bishamai? The correct thing to do is that we force this second owner to free him, to free his slave, and he's not obligated to free him for free, but he basically allows him to buy his freedom off of him, and he'll pay it off slowly, basically. Um, you know, it's like a, it'll be like a debt payment plan. and a payment, installment payment plan, and that's the and that's the solution. And Beis Hillel heard Beis Rami's mm-hmm. argument and retracted their opinion and agreed with it. And on the basis of that, um, it's basically even a person who is in a half slave, half free situation. We basically would say is that that's a very temporary circumstance. He's going to be freed any minute now. As soon as we, you know, as soon as he gets around to writing up the documents, whatever it is. So because of that, if, if you know, if it comes a holiday, he should certainly be Olaregal because this status is very temporary, and he will be. It's just a matter of time when he will be a free person, and he should be Olaregal, even according to uh, Ravina. Next, we talked about his Kia Shofar. I'm sorry, you said when he's, why still half slave? He, need, he needs to go up. Yeah, that's the point. Even Ravina, when Ravina said he doesn't have to go up, that was in the original understanding of Basila, this is a permanent status. Right. And he's going to be staying like that for who knows how long. But now that we said that even Basila agrees, right. Right. and Basila agrees to Bishamai that he's going to have to free him, 
So it's like uh, you go up even as a half slave. Even though right now he's still a half a slave, being that that's such a temporary circumstance, he should go up even according to Rufina. That's basically the idea. Uh, we said everyone's chayven to get shofar, even even a cotton that's higiel chinuch. And in fact, on that basis, when the kid wants to play on Rosh Hashanah, blowing shofar, and you say you can't tell him, oh, it's mukta. <laughs> He can't do that. It's like, no, because that's part of Ein Ma'akvin is Akotim. Let's go Biyomtov. You don't say, no, don't blow the shofar. Okay? So um, that's the uh, that's the basic it's idea. Rabbi has overruled that, right? The, what? Malaka is not that way. No. no not talking is. about Shabbat, talking about Yomtov. Oh, and Yomtov is a kid. Yeah. So I'm saying, even though he's a kid and he's not really Mechuyev in the mitzvah of his shofar, uh-huh. We let them play with the shofar on Yom Tov. Oh, nice. I know that's it's the mitzvah to tkiya. What is the mitzvah to tkiya or the mitzvah to listen? The bracha is the shema kol shofar. That's what I thought. But shmuel. that's how you fulfill it. They obviously, but somebody you can't, but not yourself. No, so it has to be mechuyev, right? Or because yourself, you can. <coughs> right? The point. You can yeah. do it for yourself. You too. No question about it. Yeah, yeah but again, you know, yeah. <coughs> Hearing it. All right, and that's the story, and we'll stop over here.